Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bearho Club podcast. As always, I am your host, Greg, and I am joined by Garrett. That's me. <laughs> what up, boo? So, uh, uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off and, go ahead. and steal the, the opening promo. Uh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain too much. So, if you're tuning in, uh, well, we're live, pal. So this is our first foray into trying to sort of live stream the pod. Um, we're looking to maybe kind of make this more of a regular thing. Uh, we like the idea of um, getting that live audience in. And then when, it, when we've got the viewers, we would be happy to maybe like incorporate them into any discussion we have, maybe take a few questions, just open up the discussion as we try to aim to do here on the podcast. Uh, obviously, before we get into anything, we'll just do a few of the quick plugs out the way. So uh, as always, if you want to find us on our different channels, it's the Bear Hook Club podcast for Facebook and YouTube, Bear Hook Club pod for Instagram and Bear Hook Club on Twitter. Um, as you can see now, we've got a Twitch uh, channel as well. So you can check out there for any of the live streams. Uh, things we've got coming up as well. We've been finally getting around to recording content for YouTube. So we recently uploaded the first episode of Outside Interference, which is the show where I get our non wrestling fans on and we just saw them some content get that sort of outside perspective on it and early today we did a batch recording of matches you need to see so keep an eye out for that coming to youtube as well um going into the pod straight for this topic we're talking about interpromotion in wrestling so uh in regards to that uh, what we kind of mean is when other wrestling companies kind of get in bed with one another and like try to uh, like mix talent, mix cards, you know, like how does it benefit? Like, has there been a good history there? And the main reason we're kind of drawing on this is because if you caught AEW Dynamite last week, uh, obviously the big ending to that show was Kenta showed up in full Bullet Club garb and laid out John Moxley with the go to sleep. And it's the sort of merging of that feud from New Japan now carrying on in AEW. And the big thing around that was it seemed like AEW and New Japan were never going to have that working relationship, but it seems like the forbidden door is officially open. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been sort of mini forays here and there. Obviously, you had... Um, I mean, Moxley has been the the US NJ, NJPW champion for quite a while now. Uh, you had sort of dabblings with Jericho here and there going over as yep. a pain maker. Um, but I guess this is like an, a, a more official actual merging. And, and obviously we've been seeing uh, the crossovers with Impact. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, we've had the NWA crossovers. Yep. Obviously not as big of a story, I suppose. Um, NWA aren't in the position to be able to do their shows uh, the same way that New Japan are and, and Impact are. Yeah, of course. It's it's quite interesting because I, I, I'm drawn, trying to think and it feels like this is the first time where you've had sort of these four, at least four major promotions all at once kind of 
merging together to do something. I suppose, obviously, AEW is sort of the main sort of linchpin for that, and the rest are all kind of involved. So it would be interesting to see if there's any carryover between them as well, like will we see more New Japan talent show up on Impact? Will Impact talent go to New Japan? Or will any NWA talent show up there? So that's where it's kind of interesting for me. I, I think this is the first time you've had this many promotions kind of at least in what, at least somewhat in the same vicinity of each other trying to work together. I mean, I, I suppose the only other one I could draw to is the WWF, NJPW and AJPW back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, sort of had their... Uh, their whole thing um i mean subsequently after that new japan never worked with the wwf now wwe again and then mm-hmm. ajpw and njpw became sworn enemies um so you know swings and roundabouts i suppose this is the first time where we like you say we see um i suppose the first time where you see western promotions properly working together uh in tandem as well um, it, it feels a bit rarer for it maybe because of just like i think when i liken it to wwe or wwf what it was at the time they've always wanted to be the wrestling promotion they don't typically like to acknowledge any other at least other promotions within the same country of the united right. states which is probably why they were more open to things like working with those like like japanese promotions or even with mexico when they had the brief stint with uh triple a um I, I feel like with with that it, it always seems like there's just the ego of like western companies where it's like ah oh, well we don't want to well if they do it's very low-key like you won't the thing with the AW one is quite exciting so far is that they've had their world champion appear on other like shows. Like he's been on Impact, he's main evented one of their pay-per-views with Hard to Kill. Whereas with other previous promotions, that was a bit rare. Like you would like they would maybe give you some of the more lower to mid-card talent to go across rather than their main event stars. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is gonna be who this really benefits, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the one of the biggest problems with WWE is that there's been no competition for years. Uh, there's been no alternative, so why bother? And that's mm-hmm. that's always you know competition breeds innovation, hopefully, yeah. uh, and and you know bettering of the wrestling business. So, I mean, this merger or, or this working relationship that these companies have, um, you talk about the forbidden door. Tony Khan said. Uh, this is the f- I'll go with a full quote. Uh, Tony, when are you going to open the forbidden door? They tell him. When is New Japan going to come to AEW? And I kept telling them, I don't know where the forbidden door is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then I figured it all out. The forbidden door is me. I'm the forbidden door. It was me, Austin. Was I was the forbidden along. door all along. <laughs> uh, it, it will be interesting how it works and who it will actually benefit if you look at impact uh, you know this this kind of weak stretch doesn't really tell you anything but yeah if you look at impact they had lower viewers now i uh, go yeah. into um no surrender and you know is that is that indicative of AEW? is it really not going to bring anyone over to uh to impact wrestling and impact don't do as well uh you know they're not hitting the sort of near mill numbers yeah 700,000 they're, they're averaging around 150 to 200,000 odd 
Um, obviously, the biggest thing in wrestling is the demo, which is uh, it doesn't actually matter how many people are watching, but it matters who in that how many people are watching. For example, the the only thing that matters when viewership is on the line is are young people who will buy something watching, uh, which is why AEW, even if they're not the most viewed, they are doing very, very fucking well with how met like how many sort of eighteen to thirty five year olds are watching. Um, we'll see how that relates to impact. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it's more eyes on all of the products. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I mean. If anything comes out of it, it better be that WWE take it as a as a kick in the teeth and and you know pull themselves up by bootstraps. Grab a brass ring, if you will. Yeah, I imagine because WWE's pro, WWE's success is often hindered on how well they're doing at the time, and if any other promotion might be doing something that's grabbing their viewers away. Like when you look at the Monday Night Wars, it was because of the WCW moving slightly towards a more adult product that they eventually had to adopt that mentality and go forward with it. So if this was something that could potentially really draw viewership away, would WWE be open to like bigger collaborations? Because I mean, this is the thing. They don't... They They do have collaborations at the moment. I mean, the fact that like progress evolve all like a lot of in, independent promotions are sort of in bed with them and there has been talent exchanges with them like if you look at the last super strong style tournament progress did they had kyle o'reilly and trevor lee who were both under nxt contracts so they're not necessarily like um against the idea of getting into bed with another promotion it's just whether like that promotion's gonna be on the same scale or scope as wwe is the main right like, debate right I think that's just it. It's like I doubt WWE would ever get into a a working relationship with a company that they that's in a territory that they want, right? Yeah. Um, for example, they're more than happy to go and work with Progress because they know that NXT UK is already bigger than anything there, or even just WWE's main product is going to be you know bigger than anything yeah. there. Uh, Whereas they want to open an NXT Japan, right? Mm-hmm. So they probably won't ever get into bed with uh, New Japan because New Japan would say, no. Yeah. <laughs> get out. Please, just, please leave. I mean, there's always uh, a possibility they, you know, work with, I suppose, Noah or something mm-hmm. like that. There's always a possibility, but I don't ever see them working with any big promotions like this which is why it's interesting because if you really look at like who aew are working with and they've been doing it for a long time the door technically has been open for a while this is the hmm. new japan door but then you look at the the, the door to mexico and yep. they've already have been working with triple a yeah yeah know, yeah like the ring any... they've had their titles defended on multiple aw shows right right it's mentioned every now and again they should bring it up more uh part of kenny's whole belt collector thing is the the triple a mega title or whatever it's called um i believe that the lucha brothers can still go uh down and and wrestle there and and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, obviously covid depending but yeah um, but yeah it's interesting yeah no i agree um I think with with AEW, it's just because they've always been 
willing to like acknowledge that other wrestling does exist outside of the product, even before they had the New Japan relationship. If particularly if you saw the likes of Kenny Omega in a match, like you'd have people like Excalibur on, co on commentary bringing up his battles with Ricardo, for example, you know, like how he is the best bout machine and he has those ratings to back it up through those kind of matches. Um, I just feel like, yeah, if WWE was ever going to get in a bed with someone, it, it, they just seem to be very reluctant to any company that could be a threat to them. And it, what I like about AEW is they, they're willing to be open. and Because I think that's the kind of way you can move wrestling forward is not like shunning other companies by trying to actually work together. And then that way you do get something interesting. Out of you. You're seeing other talent come across briefly. You're seeing other talent go there. So with that in mind, like what ideally are you kind of looking forward to with this new Japan relationship kind of going forward? Well, I hope it's just that. I hope it's them in bed together, e.g. the mm -hmm. same bed. Whereas with WWE, uh, I would feel that they'd be in the bed and the other promotion would be on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope I hope it brings more eyes to New Japan. New Japan are obviously uh, branching out with New Japan Strong uh, in America. They're trying to big up that um, that sort of branch of them. I hope it brings more eyes to Impact. I hope it brings more eyes to AAA. I hope that eventually we get these mega pay-per-views. Um, mm -hmm. You think about the stories that have been told through promotions. Um, the biggest one being... Uh, to my to my mind, the biggest and best one is going to obviously be Kenny versus uh, Ibushi. Eventually, yeah, yeah. The only person to ever kick out of the One Winged Angel is Ibushi. Uh, the you know the Golden Lovers is one of the best stories in wrestling. I think eventually, if they are able to do a a heel Kenny uh, AEW champion against maybe he maybe he has collected all of these world titles eventually, and then he goes to face the final one. You know that he hasn't got he goes to face ibushi yeah uh this unbeatable kenny and then finally ibushi you know puts him down that that will be a money match especially if it's like a co-brand pay-per-view where it's on both networks um they've done that sort of thing before though i remember some the early aew before it was aew pay-per-views were part run by new japan and part run by ring of honor where you hmm. could watch it on, I'm pretty sure you could watch it on Ring of Honor, Fight TV, and on New Japan World as well. Um, oh, okay. Were these like the all in, like just the pay per view yeah, before all, they even had a title? And, yeah. Because yeah. um, obviously, there, I, I believe there was a lot of animosity here and there with how they left and how they sort of tried to, you know, there was, there was probably a lot of thinking, maybe even with just the wrestlers themselves, maybe even not people behind, but. People like the elite going and taking the goodwill of that and making something of their own if they are able to actually bring up viewership to every single promotion um and push each promotion to just you know bring it and bring it then it's, it's that literally nothing should come bad of it the, the only thing that ever happens with all of this is is ego getting yeah. in the way and in all fairness, you can't really have wrestling without ego. It's it's the it's part and parcel, you know. Um, Which brings up a good point. Then going back to obviously you said obviously the big money match there is Omega and Ibushi. 
if they're going in both as champions, is there that possibility that one of them could walk away with both belts? And then that means that company's belt is technically with this rival promotion, even if they are in partnership. It depends how closely the relationship goes. Um, it's such a weird time to do it. Yeah. And a very difficult time to do it. I mean, travel alone. Very difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, being able to move these wrestlers here and there. For example, if they wanted to do an invasion angle and the only person that could arrive was uh, one member of the inner circle and pretty Peter Avalon or something mm -hmm. to New Japan, yeah. it wouldn't be much of an invasion. Um, it'd be interesting. I hope that it leads to big type of pay-per-views where we have that clashing of of everyone. Imagine a pay-per-view where you've literally got the NWA uh, World's Heavyweight Championship on the line. Mm -hmm. You've got the AEW World Heavyweight Championship on the line. You've got the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship on the line. You've got the um, Impact uh, World Wrestling Championship on the line. You've got like every tag belt, every women's belt. Um, it would be insane. Yeah, you know, you could pair up the likes of, you could do a stable versus stable match, right? Uh, just uh, in a circle against um, chaos. Yeah, you know, you could do the Dark Order against Lij. You could do so much. There's so many possibilities, and it's one of those things where everyone is is just fantasy booking. But I worry that it will be over before it begins. Yeah, I think with, like we said there, with the issues of COVID restricting travel, I think the smart thing for them to do is not to go all in at the very start of it, you know? I feel like right now, if they just maybe have... Because right now, they've obviously got a lot of moving parts. If they obviously keep the focus with um, this sort of, like, like, version of the Bullet Club with Omega and the Good Brothers going on with impact and what's happening there that's going to be in like a decent little thing happening there and then if they want to keep maybe for the new japan for now just maybe focus on the moxley kenta feud because i think this is going to be good for new japan in the regards that like now they do have a weekly tv like platform to really sort of help push this feud along a bit further and get get some steam back into it given it had to be delayed previously because of the fact that they couldn't travel before like it was only just at wrestle kingdom when moxley came back and announced obviously that he's back with new japan and can wrestle for them again and the match with him again it is finally starting to build a bit more right yeah i mean i i again going back to the ego thing right mm -hmm. you look at when things have been done before and you look at um was it collision in korea do you remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a New Japan WCW uh, pay per view, and it's the highest wrestling gated pay per view ever because mm -hmm. it was held in Pyongyang. Um, actually, I think I have some notes on that. It was, it was like held in like a, a massive stadium, wasn't it? It was. I believe like it was the huge. biggest stadium in the world. Yeah. Uh, in in North Korea. Um, yeah. So. The Collision in Korea, or officially titled Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace, or PISC for short, <laughs> uh, which I think the main main event was Inoki versus Flair, which is 
you know, that's that right now is like a Okada versus Cena. Yeah. Know? Or it's on that level. Reigns. Practically more, practically bigger than that, really. Oh, yeah. Um, the max, I think the max attempt, because it was a two day event, they're well ahead of their time. Yeah. Uh, the second day, I think, had a reported attendance of 190,000. I believe Meltzer reported it lower than that, um, which isn't surprising. Uh, also, there isn't much footage from this for obvious reasons. It being North Korea, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the ones that you can't find on the WWE Network as much as I would absolutely adore that. Isn't again, it kind of contested as well that fans were kind of made to attend it as well? Does no. That... <laughs> North, do you think people were made to go to the Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for peace? No. 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 I mean, I mean the card alone sells it without anyone needing to be forced to go. I wouldn't have to be forced to go. Yeah, we wouldn't. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but I don't know how many of us were there at the time. Um, but again, back to like ego. Inoki mm -hmm. himself, if you know anything about the man, is a very... Uh, he fits in wrestling because he's a very ego-driven man. There was a point in... Uh, in, in New Japan's history where he basically tried to just change wrestling entirely to MMA. Yeah. Uh, because he was like, no, this is better. This is, yeah, fuck it. Let's just, let's just hurt each other. He essentially um, just got like legit MMA fighters, put them in the ring with wrestlers and went, right, this is a shoot now for a lot of matches. And it just fell completely flat on its face. Yeah. Um, and that's, again... We'll see how egos drive what what happens because in this this uh, predetermined sport that we love, it's sure predetermined. Yep. But if a, if a promotion comes along and says, "I'm putting my foot down," my champion goes over, my guy goes mm -hmm. over, and then he goes over, and then I want this guy to go over, and I want I want her to go over, and, and these people to go over. You just kind of. You know, there's there's gonna be an impasse somewhere where a match yeah. has to go on, and and these people need to, some people need to win and some people need to lose. Another thing you have to think about is um, New Japan doesn't have a women's division. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been but, they've been looking at more like Joshi wrestlers and, and like Stardom but, and things like that. But they own the guys who own that own Stardom, right? Yeah, but the I believe it's it's. Um, Bushi Road is the mm -hmm. company. I, th I think that's the parent company that owns everything. Um, I mean, again, we'll see how that's happening. In the women's division right now, arguably, there's more crossover than just Kenta showing up. Uh, yeah. You've got the the tournament that is is like the the, the US-based wrestlers and the, the Japanese-based wrestlers. Uh, as a side note, Maki Ito better win or else uh, I am part of the Ito respect army as everyone should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I just hope that it's going to big up everyone at mm -hmm. all times. New Japan just had a new TV deal in America, I think. Might have been on Access or something like that. Um, we'll see. All it takes is one company to just unravel it a bit. One ego to just say, my guys aren't going over. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think I think that'll always be the issue is that 
they will always start these things with the best of intentions. And then eventually, somewhere down the line, there'll be a match that they want to do. And then it'll be button heads over probably who they want to win. Personally, I don't know. I think Tony Khan's got a much like a good business mind and a much and a very open mind when it comes to this kind of thing. I think he might not. He if Vince McMahon had this relationship with them, put any of his stars on, he would either want his wrestlers to win or to be more of a no contest, especially if it was those bigger names. I think with at least AEW, I don't think he's necessarily going to have that thought process. I think I think he's not going to totally mind if some of his bigger talent loses. I think there'll always be that chance where they'll. New Japan might give him the same rub where some of their bigger names might lose to his talent. I mean, I hope so. It If this year we get... Like, let's say they expand the G1, right? Yeah. And they add a couple people in each block from... Or maybe even just take a couple people from AEW. Or, you know, one person from AEW, one person from Impact for each block. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be absolutely fucking crazy you know the biggest wrestling tournament in the world already which is just new japan becomes literally the biggest wrestling tournament in the world imagine they expand the g1 to be like they have a a us g1 uh japan g1 um you know and, and then you know these people fight at a certain point or maybe the, I don't know. I don't know how they'd do that. I suppose it would be mm-hmm. a massive bloody tournament. Maybe if huge. you win the USG one, you fight for the US title at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and if you win the Japanese G one, you fight for the IWGP title, perhaps. Yeah. And then you could even just trade a couple wrestlers, so you could send a couple of uh, Americans over. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to like think about how is best to do it. Because I you think don't want to almost sully the G1 or, or anything as prestigious as any of these companies companies have. Yeah, I think I think what will definitely be something that we'll see more of is um, it's quite a big thing within Japanese wrestling anyway. That even before you're massively on something like a New Japan card, they often encourage wrestlers to go kind of abroad and sort okay. of do things yeah. in like America like because I mean that was the big thing is like how Okada was in TNA very briefly just kind of I guess getting the grips of like how the western western style might be so maybe if even if that was just something that come out of it that'd be good cool, cool to see like send some of the more again like lower to mid card talent across just to kind of let them have that experience and then again that that's at least enough to draw eyes on the product by the fact that now the world got an AEW guy here now and then we've got a new Japan guy here in AEW. That's at least something in and of itself. Or even you don't you can just basically have interesting cross promotion along the lines of how I think it was WCW and again New Japan, where you had an NWO unit in Japan, for example. So that's again where stables can might bleed over a bit because we're already seeing it on impact with this reunion of Omega and the Good Brothers. Maybe that will lead into having. Bullet Club Japan, Bullet Club um, uh, America, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be interesting. Obviously, you've got the story of like, is there one true leader of Bullet Club? Um, you know, it could be a, a Kenny versus uh, Jay White type deal. Uh, if they make a mega massive stable, that would be insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do what you do 
run the risk of doing an NWO. Which yeah. Ended up with what? How many fucking members? Forty. I think at one point in WCW, it wasn't just the fact that there was just so many members in the stable. It was the fact you had NWO, you had NWO Wolfpack, you had the Latino World Order. They just basically splintered it into like numerous factions and basically watered down why the NWO was such a cutting edge thing at the time. Yeah, I mean, going back to the the excursions and hmm. things that they do in New Japan. It's probably one of the best ways to do it. You look at the amount of wrestlers that have come through the New Japan Dojo. They start yeah. off as Young Lions, completely stripped moveset. They're all taught a, a Boston Crab, how to do a drop kick. They all wear, you know, uh, just black trunks. That's it. Yeah. Jay White went through that. Um, you know, so many other wrestlers went through that. And then they get to a certain point. They tell them to fuck off to somewhere. They'll either send them to Rev Pro, they'll send them to Impact, like you said, or they'll send them just to somewhere, maybe New Mexico, just to learn a style, develop a character, and then come back. If that kind of talent relation is available through all of these promotions, and you know they they AEW send some of their guys to go and be Young Lions, um, that's absolutely mental, firstly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also already lends to like just some great stories like you have AEW wrestlers taking a bunch of young lions under their wing you have uh, some AEW wrestlers going over there and the story could be that they're not really understanding the the culture and they have to find a stable to, to help them um, or maybe just by default they're probably sent to Bullet Club or something Yeah. one, one story I'd really like to see is when uh, uh, John Moxley went over and sort of had his his US run, he uh, he became good friends with uh, Shota Umino, who is Red Shoes's the referee's son. Okay. Um, and and Shota would he was because the Young Lions in New Japan they're basically the ring crew, right? They'll mm-hmm. they just hang around the ring, give ice packs to people, help carry people out set up you know move, move people away if like something's happening and 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 it, it's kind of that that like classic wrestling thing of like you don't get in the ring until you've set it up and and you know you you pay your dues type thing what shota was he was basically like it's i think it just started with him you know giving an ice pack to uh uh moxley and and all this kind of thing and it, it got to the point where like they were just a, a team and mm-hmm. he he never called him Shota. Well, he occasionally called him Shota, but he, he just like he'd drag him like to like the after every match in New Japan, they go back and they like uh, do a little promo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd always drag Shota with him, and he just called him Shooter the whole time. <laughs> I would fucking love uh, a John Moxley Shooter combo where his because I believe he's on excursion now or was supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm during covid if he if he was able to go and learn from john moxley and came back as this as this fucking shooter character oh oh mwah, mwah. i love it <laughs> came back came back with some red shoes of course everyone loves some red shoes absolutely no i think there's just so many possibilities the one the one thing i would definitely be very happy to see um, correct me if I'm wrong if they've ever wrestled before, but the idea of having a really solid feud between Pack and Osprey now, 
just kind of writes itself, in my opinion. I think they might have you ever wrestled no, on the but, indies. I think possibly, they might have. But, but it's at the point now where it's it's would be completely different, you know. They've mm. so come into their own and and honed their character. They're both pretty much at the top of their game right now. Yeah. Um I I would love that. Maybe even like a, a pack Pat goes over and tries to maybe he brings Death Triangle or something mm-hmm. uh, and tries to fight Empire or what is it was it called the It's Empire something. I think it's called like the Great Empire now. Yeah. Or something of the sort. Uh that would be really fucking good. Jeff Jeff Cobb against um Penta um Great Okan against just you know Pack that'd be great. Yeah. I think it just writes itself, like we're saying. It's 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 definitely going to be interesting going forward. I think there's definitely going to be. I don't think they're going to go full on with it too soon, and it's. I think it's still going to be a big ask if we see some of the bigger names come across. I mean, Kent is a pretty big one in and of itself, given he's still kind of riding that wave of leaving WWE and kind of sort of showing what you can, what they kind of missed out on. In my in my view, I think because every wrestler, you know. He was what Hideo Itami in WWE. Yes, yeah. Kenta. Half of the wrestlers working today owe their move set to Kenta. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was pioneering moves, and he he's so incredibly good. And I believe that AEW are the company to highlight that. And, yeah. You know, he shows up on Impact. They do the same. Um, He's, you know, he's doing great in New Japan. Joined Bullet oh, yeah. Club, which was uh, pretty cool. He did that. He turned on Shibata, which was perfect. Oof. Yeah. Um, but we should probably maybe look at, I guess, some more examples of maybe when interpromotional like kind of did pay off. So one of the big examples I could kind of find was the the working relationship that WWE and ECW had back in the 90s because it was quite that was sort of where it did sort of work because I think it seems like Vince and Paul Heyman have since then have always had at least some kind of working relationship and can kind of somewhat be in synergy so their main working relationship was uh, ECW talent briefly appeared on WWE I think they were at an in your house show in the crowd one night because the, I think they were based, it was at Philadelphia. Then they showed up in Raw where Sabu jumped off the giant A. But then after that, it was mainly just to kind of exchange talent. So you'd had you'd have a WWE, uh, sorry, ECW guys come across, I believe like um, Too Cold Scorpio came across, became like Flash Funk or something like that. They, they still kind of had to put their WWE spin on the character. But their WWE likewise would send across some of their talent that was still not necessarily on the show, but like in trainings, so I think people like Draws went across. That's kind of like a decent little showing of when interpromotion has sort of worked in the past. It wasn't something that was too grand in the vision. Like they weren't necessarily advertising it, but at least there was something there that showed that they could work together. Right. I suppose the worry is, is there a point where it gets too big, you know, where it's doomed mm-hmm. to fail? Um, obviously, that kind of thing has happened in the past, like you know, New Japan and WWE never working together again after I mean, what was it? Wrestling Summit, uh, Wrestling Summit 1990. What, what caused the fallout of that thing? Because I'm not completely familiar. Was it just? I'm I'm not entirely privy to it. I'm sure there was a mm-hmm. lot going on behind the scene. Maybe it just came out that it wasn't very good for business in the end. Um, yeah. Which could end up being the case with you know what's going on now. Maybe. 
I mean, one of the biggest problems is that wrestling isn't cool anymore. I you don't know? know. I mean, it's it feels like it's sort of been the most popular we're, it's been. We're in the bubble, I think. Mm. You know, uh... I mean, I guess, but I mean, at the same time, when you look at, I, th I think, I think in being in the UK for sure, it feels like it's more popular than it's ever been. When you consider the fact we actually have a scene to be proud of now, we've WWE has its own program with NXT UK now, so maybe that's sort of why we have a bit of a rose-tinted glasses view of it, if you like, because we're in kind of a hotbed moment, even if COVID sort of cause everything to be more or less be on halt for now but even then i mean the fact like new japan's trying to branch into america shows that at least they're going through a hot like their biggest one of their biggest points at the moment you know it used to be it was a thing where it like people would have probably never like seen that day coming but now it looks like there could be the potential that they might actually have some success over here well success and it not being cool i wouldn't say uh related you look mm. at wwe and they hit the lowest all-time for Raw ever, which was like a million, one point two mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, and you you know you compare that to like you know eight, nine, ten, early noughties and and nineties and whatnot. Um, not that TV ratings are the be all end all; they're really See, not. This you is know, the issue with it now, it, like the internet age. But, yeah. But my point is, like they they have hit that low, yet are making more money than they've ever made ever. Yeah. Although, traded company. I, I mean, yeah, because I mean, you've got to take that into effect. I mean, fair enough. Like, no wonder they're making mass, like the biggest things ever by selling like the network to Peacock for a billion. I think a lot of people say, well, that's why they've had the highest you ever. But then the fact that a company's willing to pay for that shows that wrestling does have that popularity. Otherwise, otherwise, it would it, like if if wrestling wasn't as pop, isn't that popular at the moment? There's no way they could have got a billion for that. I don't I don't know if that's the case. I think cuz they're not just paying for pay-per-views as they go, right? Yeah, I mean they're getting one one of the biggest wrestling the biggest wrestling library I could argue right on the planet cuz it's not just WWE, it's WCW, it's ECW. I'm assuming all of the independent stuff they've got in there now, whatever else that they've managed to buy over the years like stuff from the 80s and 70s, like all kinds of stuff. I mean, almost when you think about it, a billion isn't even that much in the grand scheme for that because you're like, how much? Let's look at how much Netflix paid for Friends. Okay. Right. Do a, do, do a bit of research. Yeah, yeah. How much did Netflix pay for Friends? Just for 2019, just for one year, it was 100 million. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is for what? How many seasons of Friends did they do? Seven, eight? Ten. 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 All right. Cool. Uh, this is Friends, the amount of content you have for Friends. Mm -hmm. This is this room is the, the WWE library and it's ever expanding. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if anything, like that 100 million for Friends is probably a bargain them yeah i don't know it's it'll be interesting to see what they do they're probably planning on themselves using that as like a tool and bigging it up mm -hmm. um well i mean to that end if you if we're kind of sticking on with that a bit it looks like what we kind of said was true that 
WWE, now that they've had this Peacock deal, they're looking to do that in other countries as well. So there's been word that they're putting out the feelers to see if they could sell the network to somebody in the UK to take over. I mean, I, I, I can't really think about who they might sell it to, possibly BT, given they already have... Does BT have like their own streaming or catch-up service? Given that they've they already have, got wrestling. I think they have a BT Sport app. I think. Yeah, so maybe something like that, where they're going to give them a X amount of money just to have the network exclusively there, which means we'd have to swap subscriptions, which would be fun. <laughs> okay, so so NBC Universal is paying five hundred million to remove The Office from Netflix. It's one show. Wow, you know, that's insane. Uh, I don't think I really don't think a billion. It sounds like a lot, and and I'm sure where they'll big it up to their shareholders is a lot. Oh yeah, but it's the entire library of all wrestling ever. And it's not that much. Like, you know, The Office got 500 mil. I mean, could you really put a price tag on the network and their entire back catalogue and whatever's involved with it? And that's the thing. Like, what if, if that isn't enough, then what would be okay, but the price tag? There is no more Office, is there? You know, <laughs> there's, no more, there's no more Office. There's no more Friends. It's done. Yeah. Right? They're only paying for the rights to restream something. What Peacock are doing is paying for the rights to restream things, keep up the library, and everything else that's coming next. Mm -hmm. They're paying for WrestleMania, right? Which is going to rake in a decent amount for them. One WrestleMania should really be like, if you, you know, it's, it should be a shit ton of fucking money. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like widespread appeal of wrestling is probably down which is why people aren't watching it on on tv occasionally you'll get some uh some internet hits and we're in an internet age but this is a fucking this is the ww network which is internet streamed um i just think across the board it's harder to see what because you've got to factor in everything i think it's not just the case with wrestling it's the case with all tv film and music it's no longer about the sales that people are paying for pay-per-view or buying a physical thing if if you take music for example now they judge everything not only on album sales but you've got vinyl sales you've got streaming which is probably right. the main way they're trying to sort of like branch what's like the hottest thing at the moment and i suppose in in that regard like we'll never see i think it'll be a rare or if ever we'll we'll ever see raw for example pulling back in the nine million viewers that ever used to have i think i think a lot of it is obviously even before streaming it was because people could, could do catch-ups so they didn't have to watch it live anymore they could just basically watch it when they wanted to i think that's where it, you'd have to pull all the data to try and see if wrestling is in a bit of a little period You'd I mean, have to see what the viewership when a new episode goes up on the network. What's like, are people recording it and watching it later? That kind of thing. I believe on most metrics, it's relatively down, you know? Mm -hmm. um, not to say it's not viable, you know, obviously yeah. these companies are making money. AEW was on track to make their money back in the first year. Yeah. And th that was, that was not by most estimates what was going to happen uh but but there they are and they've already been signed on for what five more years and a second show five more years and I, th I think they're doing incredibly well with things like merchandise i mean the fact that obviously even before they started they had like when they started if you want merchandise you'd have to get off pro wrestling tees now they have their own web store they bring out dvds like speaking as the guy who collects um 
wrestling figures like they're selling incredibly well like um, i'm part of several groups and you see people all the time struggling to get a hold of any new ones that come out you have to be really on the pulse with it and then there's obviously the hype around the video game as well which they're kind of really big enough and could be a massive seller for them as well oh my god dude imagine if the fucking video game is cross-promotion there we go. So now you can oh. finally get some... I mean, with the exception of Fire Pro World, we'll finally be able to have, like, dream matches like that. Should be insane. That would be mad if I could... Oh, my God. That would be so cool. That would be so fucking cool. So, I mean, again, that's just something else where it seems like... I guess wishful thinking about where in promotion could go with this. Hopefully, things like that could come out of the woodwork for it. Um, I think ultimately it's exciting to see what they're going to do with it. I think that's the main thing. It's going to be interesting to see like how far they take it, how far it's willing to go, what talent could we get out of it? Could we see big things? Are we only going to see medium things? Are we going to see little things? Um, anything else you want to kind of add on that? I think that mainly gets our, our rambling thoughts in a bow, I'd say. Uh, headlines are I hope that big egos don't get in the way and ruin it yep. I hope that it's amicable for everyone I you know I, I want Impact to get a better viewership I want mm -hmm. New Japan to do well I want AEW to do well believe it or not I want WWE to do well yeah. you know, because I fucking love wrestling that's the that's thing why I'm you know, bloody here that's why we do this. We don't want to see one company fail over the other. We want all wrestling to be in good health and mm -hmm. to have things like this. Because this this is the kind of thing that can really sort of change wrestling if they can prove in a promotion can be successful for both parties. And if they get egos out the way, it's going to bring massive amounts of money and mm -hmm. hopefully audience back to the product. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want, you know, uh, wrestlers to get health care and things like mm -hmm. that. Baby steps, I guess yeah baby steps i'd like them to not be independent contractors when they're signed onto a contract that is like exclusive and they can't work anywhere else baby steps yeah baby steps i mean thing fingers crossed we'll see things like that happen over the next year now that biden's in like we brought now, you know if if this is if this is good for AEW impact etc and they offer that then wwe is not going to look that enticing anymore no, no. It's going to hopefully bring about positive change, and that's what we're all about here. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, thank you for joining us this week, guys. We hope you like the new live format of the show. We're looking to hopefully bring this back and keep doing it each and every week. Um, just to get the plugs out of the way again, if you want to find us on the various different channels, it's the Bear Hook Club podcast for Facebook and YouTube, Bear Hook Club pod for Instagram, and Bear Hook Club for Twitter. Um, as mentioned at the start there, we've been working really hard on getting new content out for the YouTube. So the first episode of Outside Interference went up this week. We've just been recording some matches you need to see, so keep an eye out for them. And hopefully lots of more other great stuff coming forward. Uh, I think that's all from me. So take care, everyone. Have a good night.